Okay, we're going to jump right into it. All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are into episode 18. Pints of Peterborough, we are in the Publican House. And I am with Dr. Andressa Lacerda, who returned from the East Coast a couple weeks ago. I thought it was today, but it isn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> and Andressa is the COO of Noble Purification. And you guys have just developed something called the Filtrous Cell System. Yes. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so there's been a lot of uh, developments within the Noble Group. Uh, one of them is our name. Uh, temporarily, we're called Noble Tech. Mm. But soon... Uh, My apologies. No, I'm going to make sure right. I get things right. So the you're now Noble Tech. Noble Tech. But now, soon enough, we're going to change the name again. <laughs> and hopefully, that will be the last time we change the name. Um, but yeah, we have developed a few different products uh, within our company. Uh, the Future Cell System is one of them. Uh, so what it does is pretty much a filtration system for different types of wastewater that go all the way from municipal wastewater with their phosphorus issues, with the oil and gas industry to try to make it more sustainable, to the mining industry to try to not only clean their tailing spawns, but also remine their tailing spawns, also making it a what bit are, more sustainable. What are tailing spawns? So tailing spawns is pretty Thaling much- Tailing spawns. Tailings, Tailings. Yes. So what happens when you have a mining, uh, or you're mining for gold or whatever, uh, use a lot of water. Unfortunately, most industries across the board rely a lot on water. And every time you use water, you have to deal with that waste. You right. have that discharge of water. You can't just let it soak back into the ground. Uh, that's pretty much what the mining industry does. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Oh, no. So they have these huge ponds when they let uh, the, that water just sit there because they don't have anything else to do because it's, it's full of arsenic, for example. It could be full of arsenic. It could be full of heavy metals. So they cannot discharge into a, a waste stream. So they have these ponds where they hope for the best because they don't have anything else that they could do until we came around. Hope for the best. That never <laughs> sounds like a good strategy. I know. <laughs> just let all the poisonous water sit in the ground and just hope for the best. Yes. So that's where Noble Tech steps in. Yes, exactly. So we have developed a technology based on an algae. So it's not that we're employing the algae itself, uh, we make a product out of the algae. So we. So you're not employing the algae, you don't have to hire the algae, no, check no. out its resume. No, it was not very good. It, ha it has millions of years of experience, but it's not qualified <laughs> yet. So, <laughs> so what happens is we grow the algae uh, in actually vessels. So it's very interesting the way that we actually grow. It looks like a berry, actually, the way that we grow the algae. How appropriate I for know. the Pines and Peterborough podcast. It's pretty cool. Uh, and then at our process facility, we separate uh, the algae components. So the way that I explain it is pretty much we're dissecting the algae. So we remove the insides, and that's actually really good. That doesn't sound very fun for the algae. I know, but hey, you do what you gotta do, right? So, <laughs> so you gut these poor guys. We gut them, and the guts are actually really high in omega fatty acids. So omega-3, omega-6, uh, antioxidants, and other um, proteins that are oh, very wow. important. This sounds like something that humans would actually wanna ingest. And that's our goal. So that's why we don't put the algae alive into the filtration system because we figured out that just the skin or just the skeleton of the algae is enough for the filtration ability. So why waste all this good stuff that's sustainable, first of all, and very good for you, second, into wastewater when we can actually be selling this as an alternative source of oils. So instead of fish oils, we can have algae oils, so oh, wow. more sustainable. How did you figure this out? 
So this all started like way back when. Let's hear the story. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so it was actually Adam Noble's idea, hence the, he puts the Noble in Noble Tech, right? Uh, <laughs> it, this started as a science fair high school project. Wow. So he was in grade uh, nine, I believe, and he was asked to do a science fair project. And it had to do with um, bioindicators for uh, water. So bioindicators, it's pretty much is an indicator of the health of the water. So if it starts, the population of the bioindicator starts to go down, you know that the water is polluted. That's essentially what a bioindicator is. Gotcha. So he was looking online, like Google, what would be a cool algae to work with, because algae are bioindicators. Then it came across of the algae species that we worked with. And then he said, oh, that looks pretty cool. And that's how we picked our algae, because it looked cool. It just looked cool. It looked cool. Through yes. a microscope, I imagine. Yeah. So. <laughs> and I read an article that you were the one to show him how to use this microscope. That's true. And um, that was the fateful meeting point for the two of you. So how did that come about? Yeah. Were you just minding your own business out in Trent? And then somebody tapped you on the shoulder and said, hey, this... Uh, high school guy wants to learn how to use like a high-powered awesome ass microscope and you know how to do that could you show him that's essentially what happened but they did not mention to me that he was in high school they just said like oh this guy is doing his project ah, so i met so you took him. him very seriously oh yeah so i met him and i was like oh explain me to me what you're doing right i'm very interested because if i'm helping you i, I like knowing because i'm a very curious person right mm. so he started explaining to me i was like that's so awesome it's like who is your a master's supervisor? And then he just looks and is like, um, I do, I'm, I'm in high school. And I was like, there's no way in high school. I was like, no, yeah. And I was like, okay, if we're gonna have this work relationship, you cannot lie. Yep. Okay, let's talk. <laughs> let's tell the truth here. And no, then, then that's when I learned it was, and I was blown away. And since that day, I decided to help. So I actually started the company. I was uh, still doing my PhD. Uh, I was just transferring to my PhD. Uh, so the, uh, pretty much, I transferred to my PhD in May. In September, we founded the company. Oh, wow. Yeah, so everything happened kind of at once. So 2013 was a big year. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can only imagine. And you strike me as the kind of person who burns the candle at both ends anyway, so <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> still going to survive. Yeah. Uh, so that takes us to the point where you met and sh and figured out this microscope and then you chose the algae based on it being cool how did you figure out how to like cut it open and pull its guts out so that's is that a hard thing to do so it's if you think about it because i do that with uh, other types of cells because the algae is essentially one cell organism like our body is made of millions and millions of cells but this algae is so smart that it only needs one cell to do a bunch of stuff. Oh, wow. So it's a single cell organism, it's microscopic. Yeah. Uh, and normally in science, what you do if you wanna break down, break up a cell, you use either solvents or you do a heat shock. <laughs> None of that or, sounds fun I know. Cell. So you do some, <laughs> some things. So I had that background, so we tried using that. But being a scientist sometimes is not enough. Because scientists many times are smart, but they're they're pretty much by the book, right? Yeah. So some scientists, with all the respect for all the scientists out there, <laughs> uh, they sometimes have blinders on. So if it doesn't work, it's up. Oh, it's done. Have to move on. If they do not find a peer-reviewed journal that explains why their thoughts might work, they won't do it okay. because they're kind of scared of innovation. So having that entrepreneurship ability 
really helps into the science. And that's how we actually figured out how to break up the algae because we didn't really want to use a bunch of solvents. We didn't want to use um, heat shock because that's just not economical viable. So we figured out a different way to be able to do that and still maintain all the properties of it. So it's pretty cool. And, okay, and I'm imagining that uh, we're starting to get into propi proprietary territory and Always. we can't really divulge the <laughs> million dollar secret of how to get the guts out of the algae, yeah. but that's uh, the secret sauce, I suppose. That's one of the secret sauces. The other one is how we grow it, so what we feed the algae to do what we want, because the twist in all of this is that we actually get to train the algae to do what we want. Whoa, now. Yeah, so if, uh, again, the mining company, so if you mine for gold, you have different needs than the people that mine for copper and different needs than the people that mine for zinc. From the same algae every time, is this correct? Uh, yes, so then what we can do is train our algae in our facility. How do you train facility. algae? I need to know this. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a bunch of ropes and then a chair, you know. You and just a whistle <laughs> and a whip and a, yeah. I know, no, it's, it's how we grow it. So it's essentially, it's an environmental conditioning that goes on, it's not even GMO in the algae, it's environmental conditioning and exposure to certain elements at specific times of its life cycle. And it will trigger this uh, response of the algae that will carry over to our product. That's essentially what it is. Is this something that you developed or is this something that algae just does no matter where it is? And you thought, okay, well, we wanted to do some fancy stuff with gold, so let's just put some gold in there while it's growing and see what happens like how does how do you come to that point because this is just blowing my mind in all kinds of different directions <laughs> so there's a lot of um background reading that goes into place just to see what's going on in general with algae and how do they react to different things but there's very little documented with this specific type of algae that we use with what we've been saying so far so they're um algae that people have worked a lot on but they do not do a, as good of a good job as our algae does. Mm. So we said, okay, so if this works for that algae and this works for that other organism, what if you combine both of them and try doing this plus, based on basic biology, do another extra step, see what happens, and that's how we, we got it. Okay, I feel like I'm talking to Walt from Breaking Bad a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> close, close. <so. laughs> wow, okay. What were some aha moments, some breakthroughs? Yeah, that's, and what, what did that feel like? Uh, that's always interesting to think of because to me, even though I've been there since the beginning of the company, it still feels very surreal. I still do not believe what goes on. And I'm, I'm in the office every day and I'm still like, whoa, this, there's no way that this is real, right? Okay, <laughs> um, I think one of them, the biggest aha moment to me was when we figured out that the algae did not have to be alive to do what we wanted to be to do. You could just throw their little empty dead bodies into the pool. Exactly. And it, and, and it just cleans up the pool. Exactly. So is that because the algae dead shells are a certain, I'm gonna just take a shot at talking <laughs> about this from a scientific fan perspective. <laughs> Their little bodies are a certain type of ingredient, and when you add that to the pool, which is a different ingredient, something in chemistry happens. That's it, exactly yes. what happens. You got an A plus, good job. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what happened. And that ingredient that you said about the algae, we can change it at our facility. So that's the training that I was referring to before. So if you wanted that to be more targeted towards gold, 
we can do that at our research facility. Or if we want it to be more targeted towards arsenic, which is highly poisonous, we can do that as well and very efficiently and safely remove the arsenic and put it into a much more manageable form. Right. And then recover that water? Is that the what water would be do? cleaner and that would essentially lead to returning that water to the waterways instead of having it uh, hostage pretty much because right. it's full of crap that you do not want into your waterways, right? Yeah, you don't want that in the water table at all. No. <laughs> Turning fish into three eyed fish, like yeah. on The Simpsons. Yeah. Okay. That brings us to the question of because now we know that the empty algae bodies are just getting thrown into the poison pool and that's fixing the poison pool what are you doing with the guts awesome question uh so the example that i love giving is actually the oils uh there's a little uh interesting fact is actually quite sad is that a lot of the fish that we catch in the wild so about 51 percent of the fish in the oceans and lakes and things like that uh, they are caught to, for the industry. So it's not caught for people to consume. They're caught to either feed other fish or to make uh, oils, oil pills out of them. So fish are eating other fish, which is called fish meal, because of the high nutrient levels and as right. well as the protein profiles that, that it has that soy and corn are not able to give. And also we make our omega-3s out of these fish that we caught but our oceans are declining right so there's a lot there that needs to be done and that's where we come in again our hope is that we'll be able to displace this fish meal so instead of feeding fish to other fish is to feed our algae or at least supplement the fish meal to decrease the amounts uh, uh, to the fish because it has high oils it has the proteins that they need it has all it hits all the points that we're trying right. that people are trying to hit right and also with the oil markets uh, instead of having your omega-3 omega-6 and antioxidants coming from fish uh, we would like to see them coming from algae because it's way more sustainable it doesn't rely so much in water uh, it doesn't rely so much in the environment it's sustainable clean and it's better all around yeah algae I think I was watching Blue Planet, and algae is one of these creatures that produces as a byproduct oxygen. I'm going to just guess at things, and you can tell me if I'm that is very on correct. par with it. To the degree that algae produces like a third of the, I'm just going to make numbers up, like a third of the oxygen that's produced in the like in the planet in the atmosphere that is from algae absolutely correct so algae actually because they're again they're microcell organisms a lot of them we have microalgae such as seaweed seaweed still algae right okay um but they together produce more oxygen than trees yeah so it's a huge amount of oxygen comes from algae so and what they consume to make that oxygen is actually co2 so it's the emission gases that we've been producing to actually eat that up to make oxygen. Fantastic. So why not? Yeah. <laughs> so algae, like when people think of algae, they think of that gross, slippery stuff, the green stuff in their pool that they try to get rid of. But people should really start thinking about algae from a little 
you sometimes single cellular organism with a cape that's running around saving us. Exactly. That that's our allergy. A yeah. cape and a broom <laughs> because it's cleaning up the the exactly the dirt. <laughs> yeah, because there are some algae though. Just to be clear from a scientific perspective. Yep, always. <laughs> there are some algae that do uh, cause a lot of issues, such as the toxic uh, blue green algae, because they are toxic because they were. They evolved throughout millions of years to survive in different environments. So as soon as they ha hit the survivor mold, they just cause a bloom and end up destroying some of the environments. But the reason why they cause those blooms is because of the amount of nutrients into the water. So if we remove those nutrients, which are runoff from municipalities, farms, industry, whatever, we will reduce that. So it's not uh, so there's all like a villain algae out there. There are villain algae. So it's not all algae that can do this. Um, there is a good group of algae that can do that. And within that group, there is some algae, very limited algae that can do it extremely well. And that's one of ours. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So where do you see Noble, Purif Noble Tech heading in the next sort of three to f let's go three years short right. short kind of term that's that's very good question like are people going to be shopping around in the grocery store and they're going to pick a carton of eggs and on that egg carton it's going to say omega-3s from algae like are we going to be seeing algae like mainstream consumer goods did you thing? read our business plan because yes uncle <laughs> <laughs> i think we have a breach of our documents here <laughs> eggs grocery store got it i know yeah because that that's one of the things that we're definitely looking to do so uh providing these products to different markets so the uh, poultry market the um any livestock market the human consumption market so nutraceuticals pharmaceuticals cosmetics all of those that rely on uh, algae um, or rely on oils, waxes, proteins, we want to hit those markets as well as clean the water of municipalities. Uh, municipalities are a bit slower to work with, so municipalities is probably the last thing we're going to do. Uh, but industries such as mining industry and oil and gas to clean their water. Uh, and one of the reasons why they're quite open to that is because I joke that we are like environmentalists but we're also like very sneaky because we're cap <laughs> capitalistic environmentalists because yep. the only reason why these oil and gas companies and mining companies are even opening up the doors for us is because there's economic benefit to them mm. right because they have heard about algae before they know all about it but they're not interested because they do not want to spend so much money or time into an environmental solution if they absolutely don't have to right right and we're like hey we can help you recover some of your costs and as a side effect, we clean the environment. And they're like, oh, tell me more about it. So, <laughs> so that's one of the things I want to do for sure. And absolutely, uh, one of our mandates is to keep the main uh, business going on in Peterborough, in the Peterborough region. Uh, we want to hire a bunch of people. Uh, we've hired way more people than we were expecting, <laughs> which is great because you, you, there's no way that you can do all of this with just two people, how mm -hmm. we started, right? So as the ideas develop and as the business grow we need to hire good people and we're only as good as our people and so far we've had a lot of luck <laughs> with our people because they're great and they're you very actually hired workers. my frisbee captain 
Ron Savoy. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so he's a, he's our COO now actually. Oh really? I got promoted to executive vice president. Right on. Yeah, so he's our. You gotta COO. update the website. I know, I know. Our, the website is gonna be completely redone soon. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's very very good team. Cool. Ron makes a, plays a huge role yeah, on it Ron's too. Yeah, Ron's a good right? guy. He, he stays busy and he's productive and smart and all the right places, right? So. Yes, absolutely. Uh, okay, let me think. Can we shift gears away from Noble Tech and go to the early Andressa <laughs> and kind of what led you to Canada and, and those types of milestones? Yeah, uh, I am originally from Brazil. I grew up in Sao Paulo, which is a huge city. Uh, it's kind of like the New York City of Brazil. Uh, so the city of Sao Paulo has about 30 million people, so it's almost as much as Canada. Yeah, it's just got Canada. I know. Why not just pack us into a city and we're there? <laughs> yeah, crazy traffic, lots of traffic jams. So whenever people complain about Toronto, it's like, guys, <laughs> it's like, come on. So <laughs> How many days did it take you to get to work? I know. It's like sometimes it takes, like, my dad and my family still lives all in Brazil. I'm the only one up here. Uh, he lives, I would say, maybe 30 kilometers away uh, from where he works, and sometimes it takes me three hours to get home. <whistles> That's 30 kilometers. It's like, it's not okay. Yeah, no. Yeah, but I've always been, as a he kid. He needs a bicycle. He needs a bicycle, that is true, but yeah, he will not do that. <laughs> he needs one. Um, as, as a kid, I always loved science. I would always ask for those chemistry kits as a kid. Yep. Uh, I was kind of a weird kid too. This is like the the darker side of Andres. <laughs> Let's go there. Yeah, I know because <laughs> because where my parents grew up was the suburbs, and the suburbs in Brazil there's a lot of nature, and with nature comes a lot of animals, and also a lot of dead animals. Oh boy! So what I, I like where this is going. <laughs> so my father, when I was eight years old, he gave me a scalpel. Oh, that's so, a horrible idea. I know. So I used to go around collecting some of these dead animals, such as birds and frogs <laughs> yes. and snakes, and I would dissect them and learn about their organs and how it worked. But I never killed them. No. Just to make the, I draw a line, you know? Yeah. The, the ethical side <laughs> exactly. of your scientific uh, upbringing. Exactly. So I had my first lab when I was about eight. There was this huge like launch party for the... <laughs> <laughs> for the lab, my neighbors and I had like a, jars of dead snakes and books of animals anatomies. So that was my first lab and my first job. So <laughs> <laughs> and I, I always grew up with science. I'm the only sciencey person in the household, so I was always the weird one, of course. Um, and where did this come from? Like, why this curiosity if you were the only sciencey one? I don't know. You just, I, like, were compelled to open up animals and look inside them? Yeah, well, I kind of blame that. Again, being a weird kid, uh, I would wake myself up at around uh, 6 in the morning every day. And Saturday and Sunday, what I would do, I would go to the TV room. I would turn on the TV. From 6 to 7, there was um, ER, like a human ER TV show on Discovery Channel, which is actually human. It's not the ER series, whatever. It's actually humans and the doctors oh, doing really? surgeries and okay. stuff like that. So I would watch that for an hour. And then I would watch the veterinarian ER for another hour. So wow. my weekends had two hours of surgery. <laughs> so you think that helped a lot. And just oh, yeah. watching that, I was like, huh, I wonder what will happen next. Oh, I wonder about this. So for the longest time, I actually wanted to be a veterinarian. Yep. Uh, in Brazil, um, is direct entry from high school into a veterinarian school, and I actually got into vet school uh, in Brazil, and I also got into diets and nutrition school. 
So I decided to pursue diet and nutrition because I love animals too much. Yeah. And I would be the crazy vet that yells at the clients that are like, why would you do this? Yeah, it's like, it would be a Arr! tough industry to be in. Yes, I like them too much. So I said, well, let's do diet and nutrition. So I did a year of diet and nutrition. And during that time, I went to this fair in Sao Paulo where uh, Canadian universities and schools showcase themselves and say like, hey, come to us because we're so great and Canada is awesome. And that to- I totally, it worked on me, let's say it that way. Uh, so that was September uh, 20, uh, 20, 2007. This, uh, December 2007, I was in Canada in Hamilton. So that's the yeah, first that's, place that's I lived in. Yeah, that's the commonality. <laughs> Is yes. that your first city was Hamilton and that's where I grew up. So that's just funny that uh, we've got that. So yes. you so you come to let's talk about your first like <laughs> your first, did you fly right into Hamilton was it like or was it Toronto and then you had to take transit to Hamilton how did that go and yeah. what was what did that feel like coming to Canada and being away from home yeah so I moved here the seasons are opposite right so mm-hmm. in Brazil I moved here in December so we were like high of the summer yeah so ten hours before it was thirty degrees Celsius and I land in Canada it's minus twenty two. And I just thought to myself, why? Oh. Like, why? What have I done? That was the first thing I thought. I was like, okay, just suck it up. You gotta do this. Like, and I was 18 when I did that, right? I gotta do it. Uh, so someone picked me up at the airport and took me to Hamilton and showed me around the school and the dorms a little bit because I went to the boarding school in Hamilton, uh, Columbia International College. Great school, not for me though. Yeah. <laughs> Big mistake on my part there. Uh, but I had to learn, uh, improve my English and write an English proficiency test. So that's why I went there. Gotcha. Um, but it was very interesting. Hamilton is, I, I lived downtown. Oh, yeah. You're very getting <laughs> a lot of color down there. And it is, <laughs> I, I was just like, wow, there's a lot of very interesting people in this place. And it's funny because from uh, the dorm to uh, Jackson Square, mm-hmm. uh, there was a porno t- a movie theater. Yep. And there was the bingo. You see, you know exactly what yeah, I'm talking about. You're, you're describing like my childhood. <laughs> right? So I'm walking A there. bingo theater, or sorry, a bingo hall and a porn theater, like yeah. side by side. And the people that hang in between like that block, I was like, wow. Like, oh, yeah. Someone has to study these people. Because <laughs> just... Someone has to get a scalpel out and see what's inside them. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I, I was that. I was just, wow. And people think Brazilians are weird. Look at these guys. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> like Hamilton, you're going to see, like on my street alone, people were like lighting mattresses on fire, throwing them off the balconies. Uh, <laughs> there were fights like in the front yards all the time. Like not even just kids, like parents fighting. It was crazy. Yeah. It was exciting, but it was crazy. Well, you know what? I look back and I kind of miss Helmeton sometimes. I went back uh, once because I, I went to McMaster to do an interview with a, a professor there. And I looked back and said, like, I miss this place. It's Because it was my first home in, in Canada, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I love Peterborough. absolutely love it. I have a very good life here. But I, some, I think I miss the crazy sometimes. Yeah. And Peterborough is just not quite crazy enough. No, it tries. Like, from time to time, you do get craziness <laughs> here. But, I mean, Hamilton's in a different league of crazy. Exactly. And yeah. especially where, as you mentioned, where I was living, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> that, that's all where the crazy meets. That's So is that what you thought Canada was? Like, when you... Oh, yeah. Yes. So I, I, that was my standard, right? So it's like, okay, <laughs> Toronto's a big city. Everything else kind of looks like Hamilton. And when I came to Peterborough, it was kind of 
as you're walking into like a fairy tale. It's like every because it was in the middle of the summer when I came here the first time. Yeah. There is a beautiful river cutting the campus. There is water everywhere. Everyone is nice, <laughs> and everyone is happy because it's summer. And I'm like, oh my, this is Canada. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome home. I know. So I've been here since and love Peterborough. I I really wish I can just carry on with my life here. Oh, so the, and this is when you say that, it kind of sounds like you have to leave. I don't know, because, you know, I've learned that you never say I'm never going to do something else because I thought I would never leave Brazil. If someone asked me, I said, no, I'll never do it. Yeah. Uh, I thought that once I was done um, my grad studies, I would go back to Brazil because I said I'll never do that. I, once I thought I would never do a PhD. If you asked me, I was like, there's no way I'm doing a PhD. And I did a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> if you asked me five years ago if I would ever start a company, I was like, uh, no, why? Are you crazy? Like, what, what's going on? So it's just, you never know what life holds you. That's the one thing that I've learned throughout my own experiences and my skin has suffered from it. <laughs> uh, so I'm just saying that hopefully my ventures lead me back to Peterborough, keep me in Peterborough. Yeah. Yeah. And less of the straying to nether parts of the world, such as the east coast of Canada, which <laughs> it sounds like could permanently keep you if such an opportunity arose. Okay, P.I., I'll definitely move there. Just <laughs> 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 I can have a cottage in Peterborough, maybe, I don't know, but I love P.I. It was my first time in, in Charlottetown, and P.I. is a province in general. I absolutely loved it, and the people are so nice, and it's like a small island, right? So everyone yeah. knows each other, and... It's so cool. I, I really like the energy down there, or up there, I would say. But it's really cool. Yeah. Really, really cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We'll, uh, we'll end things there. This has been awesome. Thank you very much for inviting me. It was great. And, uh, yeah, it, for people to check out what you're doing, what is the best way for people to follow sort of the progress and developments? Uh, I would say that a good spot would be our Twitter account. So it's uh, for now, anyway, it is at N Purification. So N is Navy Purification. Uh, I do a lot of updates there, lots of pictures of what's going on in the office, lots of dog pictures because we have two dogs in the office. Of course. Um, and also, soon enough, it will be our website, which will have lots and lots of information there. Mm. And if there's anything that uh, is useful to you, anything that you're looking for, is that the audience could hear about? Is there anything specific? Are you looking for more Rons? Any specific roles that uh, you're looking for or anything? Uh, we are rapidly growing. Uh, so we're definitely looking uh, for job, uh, people to apply for our jobs. Uh, we are uh, yet to put out a job description, but we are definitely needing someone with like the skills, uh, trades sectors like meal rights and people that are really good uh, with machinery and fixing stuff and piping and things like that and definitely not scared of getting their hands dirty because that's what we're needing because we're growing, right? Our, our production facility is growing, so we need people to build. <laughs> <laughs> need builders. Yes. Awesome. Well, if anybody out there in the uh, podcastosphere is friends with or is that person, you can find Andressa Lacerda, doctor. Yeah, Andressa is fine. You're, you're being doctor nice Andressa. to me. <laughs> on Twitter. And for those of you who are interested in subscribing to the podcast, you can do that uh, by Googling Pints of Peterborough. And I think you can find us on iTunes. You can subscribe there. Uh, also, anybody looking for good beer this summer, come to the Publican House 
I'm drinking the O'Leary Stout, and it's like having a coffee at night. It's brilliant. Uh, it'll put me to sleep instead of waking me up. <laughs> Andressa, thanks again for being on the show. Thank you.